So I'm going to be preaching from 2 Timothy 2, but I was reminded of something during worship. Um, and today I'm going to be talking a lot about, about reproduction and growth and fruitfulness. And Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And in talking about reproduction and talking about fruitfulness, I want you guys to know that we're completely dependent upon the Lord. We're completely dependent upon the Lord as He grows fruit in our lives. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, but other fruit in our lives. The one thing that we can be responsible for and that we have within our control is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. But friends, it's not fruitfulness. But I'll say this. When we're faithful, the fruitfulness comes. When we walk out with our eyes on the Lord, the fruitfulness comes. And it normally comes in pretty surprising ways. It normally comes in ways where we're like, oh, that's a love I didn't have before. Thank you, Lord. That's your love. Oh, that's self-control that I've never seen manifested like that before. Lord, that isn't just me growing as a man, growing as a woman. Lord, that's you. That's your Holy Spirit. That's your fruit coming alive in my life. Thank you, Lord. See, as we're walking faithfully, everything we do, we should really hope that God receives the glory in. When we talk about growing in maturity, I'm 47. There was a time, if I'm being just perfectly honest with you, I was pretty okay with getting some of the glory. That felt good. That felt good. But as I matured, I don't want the glory. I don't want the glory. I want God to have the glory. Our God is the one that's faithful. In talking about reproduction, we got to realize that there is health and life and strength and preservation of legacy that comes with reproduction. Now, for those of you that might be twitching right now saying, we're done having kids. There will be no more reproducing in our home. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're done having kids too. But we're not done being fruitful. All right. I think that was a spider. If it bites me and I pass out, someone just pray over me. And then maybe call night. I don't know. In talking about reproduction today, I'm talking about growth in the church and growth in the kingdom of God through the reproduction of leaders and disciples. So I heard a couple stats that are kind of disturbing. It says nearly 4,000 churches close every year in North America. That's not even in the world. That's just in North America. 4,000 churches close every year. That's 
that's even a, a smaller number than how many pastors walk away from the ministry every year. The number of pastors that walk away from the ministry is higher than, than that. Ed Steitzer estimates that 70 to 80% of all evangelical churches in the U.S. have either stopped growing or are in decline. So what does this mean? Quite simply, it means that the church in North America is not reproducing. We need to become a reproducing, disciple-making movement once again. We need to grab a hold of this fact, friends, and this is something that that we, we need to grasp. Jesus is coming again. This is not just something we sing every now and then. Jesus is coming again, and no man knows when that time, when that hour is. But friends, we better be prepared. And since Jesus is coming again, I, I just want you to know there are millions of people who do not know Jesus, who do not know His love, who do not know His grace. Millions of people who don't know that God is good. We should feel a sense of importunity, that this moment is important, that this moment matters, that we've got to seize the opportunity to, to reproduce Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we should be looking for opportunities to reproduce Jesus. He, he lives within us. He's made us new. There's so many opportunities around us for, for us to walk in the things that he did, to walk in love and grace and hope, to pray for people, to heal the sick, to be used in setting the captive free and bringing the, the prodigal back home. Many Christians and churches will never reproduce themselves. And the result of churches not reproducing themselves is that they take their faith and they take their legacy with them to the grave. And our faith was never meant to go with us to the grave. We were meant to leave a legacy of faith behind. A legacy of faith that grows long after we have passed. So I took a look at our church to see, I'm like, man, where do we fall into this? So I am happy to say that as a church, there are more people that call Impact Rock Home now than there were this time last year. Now there's been, there's been turnover and, you know, I, I at times think that we like, we defy the odds. I'm like, we defy the odds. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to succumb to these numbers, these tyrannical statistics. But the bottom line is, there's certain things that, that just, whether we like them or not, they happen. So in church growth models, they talk about an S-curve. A, curve, a church gets big, and then it goes down, and then it gets big, and it kind of goes past it. And when I saw that, I, I defied it. I bowed my back, and I'm like, that will not be us. We will not be an S-curve. We will be a, a, I don't know, a rocket ship that never comes down. Well, that's not how it happens. So although... Uh, we may have more people that call this church home. You know, we've seen change. We've seen that S-curve. But God is faithful. But I will say this. There's one area that we desire desperately to grow in, and that is in the area of discipleship. We need to grow in this. We need to mature in this. We need to grow in this because we need to be reproducing who we are. Reproducing Jesus in the life of others. So when I talk about discipleship, the ultimate goal of discipleship is this. To reproduce disciples with the gospel 
through developing disciple-making leaders and church planning. I'm going to read that again. This is the ultimate goal of discipleship. The goal of discipleship is to reproduce disciples with the gospel through developing disciple-making leaders and church planting. You guys, reproduction ensures that a movement will continue, that it won't die with us. So I want to talk just briefly about the local church. You guys, the local church is vital. The local church is absolutely vital. In fact, we see in Scripture that that God mandated that the local church be the primary vehicle with which He advances His kingdom. When we come together right now, you know, we're, we're this fist. When we come together now, we're mighty, we're powerful. Okay, we're unified, we're one. Right now, looking out there, you know, I've got the perspective of, of seeing each other, but look around. When we come together and we worship Jesus and we unify in Him, this is us. And we get accomplish something. And we're mighty and we're powerful. And the enemy sees us as this. Okay, the enemy sees us as this. The Bible says that the enemy, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Do you know that lions always look for the separated prey? The one that's not in the herd, the one that's not in the pack. When, when, whether it's buffaloes or elk or whatever it is, when they stay together, the lion sees the herd. He sees the bigness of that. Did you know that when you're on safari and you're in one of those big safari jeeps, what the lion sees is not a bunch of individuals that he can attack. And so the lion can be right there next to you on safari. I know this because I went on safari in South Africa because I'm special a couple years ago. And they told us, you don't have to fear the lions. And they have a gun. They have a gun. And they go, oh, this is not for the lions. This is for the elephants. But the lions, they look and they see a pack when we're in that jeep together. If someone steps and they, they implore you, do not step out of the jeep. I don't know if that's a South African accent or not. I don't know what it is, but just go with me, okay? Do not step out of the jeep. Do not step out. If you step out, it sees, it sees its victim. The enemy walks around like a roaring lion, so he's trying to intimidate. He's trying to scatter, seeking whom he may devour. He only devours the dangling participle. He only devours the one who can, who walks away from the herd. Yeah, I, I told you guys the story of, of the buffaloes and just to cliff notes it, we saw a buffalo come down to the watering hole and it was looking around and two male lions attacked it. And we're sitting there watching all this unfold before us. We're like, ah! Oh! And, and we think, man, this, he's a goner. And somehow he escapes and he makes it up the ravine. So we all run to the Jeep. We get around, we drive around and we see the herd of buffalo. And we see this one. We could tell it was this one because it, you know, it, it was shaken and, and it had some blood, but it was in the middle. And the lions literally, they're on the outside walking around, just pacing around, looking for an entrance. And it would come close and the herd would move towards it. The herd wouldn't move away from it. The herd would move towards it. When we're the church, we don't have to move away from the enemy. When we are unified, we can move towards it and say, we're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of you. 
We're supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be together. The local church is vital. That's why this togetherness is vital. Yes, you know, somebody right now, well, not right now because it's not live, but, you know, once once this message is posted on our podcast, someone can be at home listening to this. And it's just not the same. It's just not the same as being together, worshiping the Lord together. Jesus says, it is good. I was happy when someone said, let us go to church. Let us be together. Let me be with Raina and Diane and Don and, and worship the Lord together. It didn't quite say the names, but you get the message. The local church is called to reproduce faithful followers of Jesus. The local church is called to fulfill the great commission to make disciples. Reproducing leaders, reproducing disciples is the result of selecting, training, and empowering leaders who will in turn reproduce themselves in others. So I want to tell you what we do here at Impact Rock. With with this understanding of what I just said, we, we stress leadership training. Our desire is that 100% of people who call Impact Rock home, you know, teenagers included, some of the kids, I think, you know, it, it, it might get boring to them. I mean, their attention span. But teenagers, we want every teenager and every adult in this church to go through leadership training because we want to raise up strong leaders. Why? Because disciples are leaders. Discipleship is a form of walking out leadership. So we, we do leadership training once a year. And we're going to do it again in the fall. And we encourage you, if you haven't taken it, take it. It's powerful. But we want leaders in our homes. We want leaders in our neighborhoods. We want leaders in our workplace. We want leaders, you know, on our kids' sports teams. We want leaders in the halls of Erie High School. We want leaders in the workplace. We want to raise up leaders. And we also want to raise up disciples. So what we do is we put an emphasis on this beginning in the local church, leadership training. We do that together. Anyone can come. But Mark, this is my first time here. You can come. You got to make a commitment. You got to come, you know, to all the classes. We don't want to cherry pick it. But it starts here. But it's never supposed to stay here, friends. It's never supposed to stay here. It's it's supposed to blow out the walls and expand not just locally and regionally, but nationally and internationally. I want you to know the heart of the eldership, the pastors here at Impact Rock Church, we want to see church plants come from this church. And we want to see church plants locally. If we're packing this place out, there should be a church plant within five, six miles of here. It should be close. It should be local. We want to see it regionally. Hey, I really feel like, you know, we're called to Greeley, to plant a church in Greeley. It should be nationally. Man, did you know that, uh, you know, New York is one of the most unchurched states in the whole country and that the Buffalo area, you know, is top five. I really feel like I'm supposed to plant a church there. And then internationally, hey, you know, we're going to plant a church. 
you know, we're going to, we feel called to New Zealand. That's our heart, you guys. Our heart is not to just build this big thing that, that stays within these walls and never expands. Our heart is to grow the kingdom of God, to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And if we're doing that, this place is not big enough. So I want to read a passage from 2 Timothy 2. And Paul is about to lay out the theme and the challenges and the execution of discipleship in the clearest of ways for us. And as we read this, I want you to see what Paul lays out. Here's what he's going to say. From Jesus to Paul, from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to faithful men, from faithful men to other faithful men, faithful men and women. It's not just men like gender specific. So from God to Paul, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men and women, faithful men and women to more faithful men and women to more faithful men and women. And this is called what? Discipleship. This is called reproduction. This is called fruitfulness. 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, it goes back to, to Paul, who was Saul at the time. And Saul was not saved. Saul, in fact, was a religious leader who persecuted. He was, he was basically an assassin. Let's, he organized the killing of Christians. And the name of Saul, I mean, the church feared that name. And then one day on the road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus was as candid as it gets. Why do you persecute me? Saul, why do you persecute me? And he was made blind. And then the Lord called a Christian guy and said, Hey, go to this house and you're going to find a guy there. You're going to find Saul. And uh, and I want you to tell him about me. And, and it's like, uh, you mean Saul, the Christian killer Saul? Uh, no, I'm not doing that. And it took really, it took a lot of courage. But there was Transformation. After that transformation, guys, Paul, he was given a new name. He was given a new identity in Christ. What if, what if he kept it to himself? What if he didn't reproduce Jesus to others? But that's not what happened. He reproduced what the Lord had done in his life, his faith, the power of God, a testimony that changes lives. And he started raising up disciples. He started pouring into other people. You know, Timothy is known as a kind of a timid guy. You guys, this call to discipleship is not just for the loud or the bold or, or the physically strong or whatever. Timothy wasn't known as those things. He was known as young and he was known as somewhat timid. And he led a church and he made disciples. And he made an impact in the kingdom of God. And I love that it says this. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Friends, this isn't a secret society. 
We ain't got no handshake. There's not a secret door somewhere where an elite amount of people get to squeeze through that door and we put on black robes and light candles and chant. Paul said, what you have heard me say in front of many witnesses. This thing we have, you guys, is supposed to be shared with many. And it's supposed to be public. And it's not supposed to be kept to ourselves. We make religion private. We make politics private. And we do so because we're, we're, if we're honest, we just don't like confrontation. And so I know the minute I talk about politics, and it doesn't matter what name I throw out. Think of the name I could throw out right now that would cause controversy. And there's about ten that immediately come to mind. And we don't want to do that, so we just keep it vague. I don't know, is he a Republican? Is he a Democrat? I don't know, he's vague. He's vague. It's safe. And that's not supposed to be the way it is with Jesus. It's not supposed to be vague, and it's not supposed to be safe. People are supposed to know, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And not just follower in, in word, but follower in, in life. Like, I'm supposed to demonstrate it. i got to demonstrate it. We have to demonstrate it. You've heard me say this. You know, this is Paul speaking in front of many witnesses. Now share. Now share it with faithful men and women. Share it with faithful men and women who will in turn share with other faithful men and women. Friends, we cannot control the fruitfulness, but we can control the faithfulness. There's a friend of mine. Uh, he's out in California. It was actually the church where our teens went out to for the Rise Up Youth Conference. His name is Kevin Booth. And I was at the men's advance when Kevin was preaching. And he was talking about fruitfulness and faithfulness and wanting the plan of God to be manifest in our lives. And what's my calling? And I want to walk in it. And he says, none of that's in your control. What's in your control is faithfulness. So when you wake up tomorrow, be faithful. And then be faithful. And then be faithful. And the next day, be faithful. And be faithful. And be faithful. And the next day, be faithful. Be faithful. And he did that 20 or 30 times to the point it was almost, it was really uncomfortable, like, say something different. Every day we're faithful, guys. Every day we walk in character and we walk in integrity and we grow in the Lord and we're just faithful and we stay in the fight and we don't quit and we don't bail out. We just stay in the fight. And then one day, guess what? Oh my gosh, how did that happen? I was fruitful. That was fruit. That was fruit. Do you see that? I always handled that situation poorly. Always. Not today. There was a different fruit manifest today. That was God. That was the Holy Spirit. He's alive in me. I didn't do that same thing again. See, young people, you just got to stay faithful. You're going to make mistakes. Older people, you're going to make mistakes. Just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Paul said to share 
with faithful men and women. So what are we supposed to share? You're not going to like this. Next verse, verse 3. Share in suffering (laughs) as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is not it, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Uh, by the way, I love that it says, think over everything that I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. Christians, church, the Lord does want us to use our brain, okay? He wants us to think. He wants us to meditate on His Word. But that share in suffering. Guys, walking out our faith has its share of challenges and difficulties and suffering. And that's not just the enemy. Okay, that's a combination of, maybe there's times there's spiritual attack, and maybe there's times it's just life, and maybe there's times that this difficulty truly has a purpose. And it's meant to be a testing so that the Lord can bring promotion in our lives. But there's going to be suffering. There's going to be hardship. So when Paul says, trust the task of discipleship with faithful men and women. Guys, we show ourselves to be faithful when we walk out life faithfully. Today's hard, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay in the fight. Tomorrow's a new day. You wake up tomorrow. It's a new day, but it feels just as hard as yesterday. But I'm going to stay in the fight. I'm going to walk this out, and I'm not going to give up, and I'm going to set my eyes on Jesus. And He's the perfecter of my faith, so I'm going to let Him perfect me. And we stay faithful. How many of you guys were born after 1963. Raise your hand if you were born after 1963. All right. Uh, hands down. Raise your hands if you were born prior to 1963. Okay. So I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe a quarter of the people born before 1963. So there's a book that was written in 1963. And decades later... Christianity Today, the magazine, described this book as one of the top 50 books that has shaped evangelicalism, that has shaped the church as we know it. The book is called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Anybody ever hear of that book? The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. So Billy Graham had this to say. You've heard of Billy Graham? Billy Graham had this to say about the book. He said, Few books have had as great an impact on the cause of world evangelism in our generation as Robert Coleman's The Master Plan of Evangelism. The secret of this book's impact is not hard to discover. Instead of drawing on the latest popular fad or newest selling technique, Dr. Coleman has gone back to the Bible and has asked one critical question. What was Christ's strategy of evangelism? In so doing, he has pointed us 
to the unchanging, simple, and yet profound biblical principles which must undergird any authentic evangelistic outreach. That's what Billy Graham had to say about this book. The master plan of evangelism is discipleship. Is discipleship. It is raising up people, raising up disciples to raise up disciples. So here's here's what we're going to do in the coming weeks. Um, We're going to take eight weeks and we're going to preach on eight principles demonstrated by Jesus on how he raised up disciples. And next week, Marlon and Charlotte are with us. It's going to be awesome, but we're not starting it. And then on September 10th, Tyron Daniel is with us. So we might start it on September 3rd, but more than likely we're going to start this eight-week series on, on the 17th. And these are the eight topics that we're going to cover. And this is included. These are highlighted in this book. Selection. Association. Consecration. Impartation. Demonstration. Delegation. Supervision. And reproduction. We're not, we're not going to... Discipleship has been kind of a pain point. Like uh, among our team, just trying to, to find the best way to disciple. I'm just being honest with you. It's been a pain point. Like how do we most effectively do this? And, you know, we looked at programs. And one of the things that Billy Graham said in his quote was, you know, this doesn't just follow some trend, some program. You guys, we don't want to just set up another program. That's not what we want to do. And we don't want to say, hey, if you really want to know what discipleship is, come to this class. Church, discipleship matters. So if you really want to know what discipleship is, come to church. And we're going to cover eight weeks, and I'm going to preach it. You don't have to come to a separate class. But the the second topic we're going to talk about is association. And, And I want to just talk briefly about that. Church, we're called to do life together. We're called to do life together. We're called to to love on one another and have grace for one another and encourage one another and point us to Jesus and be there for one another. We're called to do life together. Association. How, How could Paul say to Timothy, choose trusted men and women if we first don't do life together so that we can know that there's trust, right? We've we got to do life together. There's Trust has to be built up before there can be that selection, which will be the first topic. So I say that to say, if you're chomping at the bit like to either be discipled or to disciple others, praise God. You know, the, the finish line is in sight. We're going to turn you loose soon enough. But we have to understand that the purpose of making disciples is so that you can disciple someone else. Please hear my heart when I say this. The role of the pastors at Impact Rock Church is not to make disciples. Or maybe not just to make disciples. We're not the only ones tasked with this. Not not according to Matthew 28. We're not the only ones that are tasked with making disciples. We make disciples. You're telling me that Marie James isn't capable of 
reproducing disciples. You tell me that this woman of God who, who has the Holy Spirit in her that, that is passionate for Jesus Christ, that has the Word of God in her, you telling me that, that a pastor has to make disciples and that she's not capable of making disciples? That is bull. She's every bit as capable of making world-changing disciples as I am. Every bit. We just got to be bold and we just got to do it. We got to sometimes be patient in it because I want to disciple the world, but I can't. There's a patience to it. So if you have an iPad, I want to say I paid $3.99 for the book on, on iTunes, at the, at the iTunes bookstore or whatever. Three, that's $3.99. That's less than bad coffee at Starbucks. Buy the book. Buy the book. If you're one of those that needs the physical copy, maybe we can buy a box of books together and we'll get a good price and you can have it so you can highlight it and mark it up. But buy the book. And we're going to go over these principles. And the principles are what Jesus demonstrated. All right, that's all. I was debating. That's it. I don't got nothing else to say. Grab a hold of this, guys. Get excited about this. We don't have to be nervous. or We don't have to be afraid. If you're like, I'm not ready to be a disciple. That's okay because we're going to do life together. We're going to associate together. We're going to do life together. We're going to be patient with one another. And that is fine. Because we're all at different places in this walk, in this path that God has called us to walk out. We're all at different places. And, and we can, that's great. We're not rushing anything. We're just saying, keep our eyes on Jesus and understand that there is going to be a point when God's going to, He's going to use you to raise up others. And prior to that time, you're going to walk through discipleship. And He's going to equip you with everything you need to do so.